Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. Today we are going to be discussing our thoughts on the final installment in the Indiana Jones saga, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Before we get started, Ty, do you want to tell us what you watched this week? Yes. Now, for everyone listening, you know, Steve does this segment every single time where he asks me how many movies I've seen, and in the notes I have my two or three movies that I typically watch in a week. And Steve no longer writes down the movies he has. He just sets a line, like over under 12 and a half, and I have to guess. <laughs> I'm flipping the script this week. Steve, I have set the line. The over under is six and a half movies. All right, this is a tough one, but I don't think there's any way in hell that you give me an under here. It's got to be an over to be like, oh, holy shit, you watched seven movies? Give me the, I'm putting my 401k on the over. Okay, good. I I was gonna put it a little bit higher, but I thought that it would be too suspicious. But I you you should have nuked. I hope you. I mean, I'm glad you did nuke it because I slammed it. I I I broke it. Nine movies. Wow. Nine movies since our last pod. I'm so proud. Dude, dude I was on just a bender, and it's so funny. I texted you, but like God forbid, I just sit down and do what I love most. And I, I haven't been happier. Like, six straight days of just watching movies. And it was the best time. That's However, awesome. I, I I wanted to make sure that I captured, like, each experience properly. So I did, like, make a blast ticket for each, just in case I needed some additional notes. But first movie I saw since our last pod was Asteroid City. I know I mentioned that I was going to go see it last week. Work kind of screwed that up. So... Me and my Uncle Matt, we went, and I think I explained this story last week, not sure, but he has noticed me going to movies alone, and uh, him and a lot of my friends give me a hard time about going to the movies alone, but one night at the lake, he was drunk and admitted to me that um, he, he respected me for going to the movies alone and kind of doing my thing, and he he missed the event of going to the movie theater and uh, told me that anytime I'm going to a movie alone, he would join me. So going to be, our, yeah, it, it honestly was a great moment between the two of us. And I can't wait for all these, you know, new adventures. First one was asteroid city. We went on a Wednesday night and I was expecting it to be dead. I mean, who's going to see a movie at eight o'clock at night on a random Wednesday Apparently, all the Wes Anderson fans, it was packed. And I'm talking, like, each chair packed. There were, like, two, three people that stumbled into the theater, and it was, like, they had to split up and separate. It was super cool. Yeah, it was refreshing to see. And everyone was super rowdy during the trailers. But, like, as soon as, like, the lights dimmed, nothing. Like, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone locked in for Wes. It was super cool. Like, laughing at all, like... The really funny moments in this movie but also like locked in for some of like the more not serious but intricate dialogue moments like it was just a good movie nerd experience and a great way to like i guess uh kick off this this new thing i'm doing with my uncle matt so great first watch the other one i wanted to catch last week but couldn't was past lives now this is one that i was super excited for but in the last pod you had prefaced to me like temper your expectations a little bit yeah and i'm glad you did that because holy moly i would have been crushed 
Like, at least I was, like, braced for impact here. I saw this alone. Like, the theater wasn't really buzzing, but they didn't really have a reason to be buzzing. I didn't feel that, like, I think the way that we put it was there are better versions of this story that have already been told. Yeah. This is one, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Like, it, it really wasn't. It was a fine watch. I just, I've seen better. That That's all. Yeah, I, I agree. And we talked briefly about how it kind of gets caught up in telling the story that spans 36 years and uh, all the kind of changes that go on between these two people, but they don't really stop to tell you who these two people are. And uh, that made it kind of weak for me at times. There's clearly a, like a good movie hidden in here, oh, but yeah. it only it only pokes through for a few moments, like here and there throughout. And this is, I like we both said, I think a very strong ending, which helps it. Mm-hmm. But I think that that could be influencing some of the hype that this movie's getting. Yeah. So, either way, I immediately came home and I was a little frustrated and disappointed because I am a sucker for a good romance movie. I will yeah. not deny that. So. Again, I'm in the zone. I go home. I pull out because I just moved into my new place. All of my movies are in like a a disgusting white plastic bin. And I like take out all my books, all my like work notebooks, and I get to all my criterions that are still in plastic wrap. I'm like, you know what? Let's dial in here. I'm going to watch In the Mood for Love. I'm finally like I'm prepped for this movie. I can do it. I'm in the zone. Fire it up. It it didn't wow me like film twitter has been telling me for the last like six seven years that this is a perfect 10 out of 10 movie yeah. I, I under i understand it i understand it it just didn't wow me in the way that i was expecting it was like a technically sound movie and like the story is powerful but nothing really like there's no home run moments for me in this one and I'm not sure. I think you said you haven't seen this one. Yeah, this is one of the few Wong Kar Wai's I haven't. Do you think it's a Steve movie or no? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you you'll, think I would like it more? Have you seen Fallen Angels and Chung King? I've seen Chung King, and I think that was what I told you, is that I personally like Chung King more. Mm-hmm. But as, I don't know, I, I think in the same sense of, like, we're both suckers for romance stories love stories and, and like weird unconventional storytelling yeah i think this could be this could be one for you if you're in the right mood okay maybe i'll check it out uh after this pod tonight i i do want to give you though uh a recommendation i, w- I want to give you an assignment you should watch fallen angels at some point this week i think you'll actually really enjoy it i preferred that to chunking um mm. even though i love both of those movies very much but the way that uh, Fallen Angels is shot is just a little more charming and reels me in a little bit more. Okay, good to know. And like I said, I mean, it just puts such a smile on my face doing this like homework, if you will, this week. So yeah, I might I might actually tackle that one. Um, next on my list. So now we're at movie watch number four. This is uncharted territory um, for me. I mean, it's been a while, and similar to in the mood for love, I. I open up the plastic wrap for another Criterion. It's young Lawrence Fishburne in deep cover. The only reason I got this movie is because the cover looked sick on the Barnes & Noble 50% off Criterion-like <laughs> thing. I'm like, you know what? Like, 
I'll give it a shot. It's directed by Bill Duke. At the time, I didn't put it together, but that's that's the dude from Predator. If you look up Bill Duke, you're oh, gonna know exactly who it is by yeah. face. Yeah, um, directed his ass off, man. This was a phenomenal watch. It like the trajectory of how it went for me. Okay, great opening scene. I'm all, I'm really hooked. This is cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is cool. Wow, this is a really like fun movie. I'm about two thirds of the way. I'm having a good time. Then that third act hits and it's it's reached great ter- territory and i am just sucked into this world sucked into the story fish burns great jeff goldblum is like the supporting like the the co-star to Fishburne. he's also just awesome um the one that you need to check out man i think this is, this isn't really in your wheelhouse but it, it's a nice step in a different direction i, I think you got to check this one out Deep I had a cover great it's time. called right mm-hmm I'm in. Fishburne, he plays a a cop that goes undercover and he he want he became a cop to do everything by the book. He he went through a horrible tragedy as a kid and wants to make sure that he takes down the corruption in his city in the world and realizes to take it down, he has to get dirty. He has to become the monster that he's trying to take down. It's it's really good. Yeah, I'm it's in. It's really good. I'm in. I'll uh, I'll watch it this week. And it's, I want to say it's either just over or just under two hours. Like, smooth. You know, in yeah. and out. Hour good 47, watch. it says. Okay. So like I said, yeah, just crisp watch. Moving on, though. You had recommended to me, hey, there's this horror movie on Prime it's called there's something wrong with the children it's nothing special but it's really fun i think you're gonna enjoy it sure man um i'm still in the zone i will give this a watch i load up prime the first movie that pops up creed 3 sorry steve i fired that up like within half a second and sat through creed 3 it's just as good and the only thing i regret about this watch is i did it after i went to the gym so now i'm all fired up (laughs) motivated but i'm exhausted from the gym so what do i do i rip another movie right after i watch the i watch there's something wrong with the children so what did you think about it because we kind of you talked to me a little bit in like the first 30 minutes or so and then kind of fell off so there is a story behind that my cousin came over when there was like 20 minutes left in the movie Ugh. and we played five consecutive hours of MLB power pros <laughs> and, and I didn't get to watch, I didn't get to watch the end until after that. So I finished this movie at four in the morning Oh wow! and didn't have much to say, but here is my stance on it. There is a lot to like, there is a considerable amount to love here, mm-hmm. but there's also some things that just are not for me. I thought, so like the performance were performances were kind of dry at times the the adult characters aside from Riley from Midnight Mass were kind of uninteresting yeah. and, and stale to me the the kid actors I'm I'm not so sure but I I can look past all that especially you know it's it's just a dumb fun horror movie that's well shot and I I'm good with all that the third act without giving anything away just did not do it for me that's I, fair. I don't know if it I think that's where the movie lost me a bit, and it went from really good time, really fun to okay, give me a break here. Yeah, that, that was my experience. Yeah, I, I 
I agree with you on the third act. That was definitely the downside for me, but I just had so much fun watching this, and the the music in it is fucking so good. awesome. So good. It, it's like, um, it gave me a mix of, obviously, Stranger Things, yeah. but also The Thing. Yeah. And some of that, like, techno music. I get I was that. A fan. It's like kind of like techno metal, almost. Yep. Yep. Super cool. Super cool. Even, like, um, It Follows, in a way. Yeah. Like, that same aesthetic of, of music. Yeah. Either way. Good time, good wreck. Well, uh, I had a good time. But that's not it. I'm not done. <laughs> Obviously, Dial of Destiny. Yep. And sorry, Uncle Matt, I know you're going to be listening. I know that we were going to see this one together, but I promise you, without giving anything away, I am more than willing to check this movie out again. So awesome. when you come back, we will watch. And then, again, I'm not done here. <laughs> this one, I didn't even load up on Letterboxd because I wanted to surprise you. I have been hyping up this movie like I've been it's it's been on my watch list since I first saw the trailer. It was one of those like waves where while this trailer's great, it has an actor that I'm so in love with, but I just never had like the energy to watch it. Yeah. Until and again, you're not on TikTok, so I knew that you wouldn't see this coming. A song from that movie has been trending for like a week and a half. It's soul crushing. The song, Jacob and the Stone, the movie, Minari. I finally nice. loaded it up. Yeah. Steve, this movie's unbelievable. It's so fucking good, dude. I'm so it's glad fun. you finally watched it. Oh my god, this is a great surprise. See, I knew, I knew I just I didn't want to tell you about it until this pod. I man, I love this movie. Just to give you an idea. Like I like how do I put this? I was about 35 minutes into the movie and I shit you not, I I paused it. And I called my grandma just just to check in. And we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. And then I went back and continued watching. It was just, it's one of those movies. And that should give you a good taste of, like, the power this movie held over me. It's so beautiful. I saw, I don't know if you remember this, but I got to see an early screening of this. And uh, one of the few I got to see. I fell in love with it as soon as I saw it. That little kid is one of the greatest child actors of all time. The grandma does amazing as well. I think she won the Oscar for it, right? I don't know. Did she? I, I, I'm I'm so behind on this movie. I'm pretty sure she did. Um, she but, deserved it. Yeah. This is a vinyl I picked up as soon as it dropped, actually, though. Speaking of Jacob and the Stone, I, I bought this at Barnes & Noble. It's a Barnes & Noble exclusive, uh, and I have it on... A beautiful pink marble vinyl, um, and I listen to it all the time. That song, man, is just soul crushing. And yeah. that, it, like, obviously, the movie has its like soul crushing moments, but it's all—it's been all over my TikTok, just haunting me. So oh, that was man. the reason I finally watched something great. Like it—it it was just an awesome, awesome one. I think, like, yes, I had a great time with it, but also. I was just super pumped to to tell you about it. Dude, I'm so oh man, that made my day. I I did good. I finally I finally did good. I'm 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 back. Awesome. Um all right, is that is that the end of the list? You wish. I have one more. Even though it doesn't count. I'm going to say nine nine movies with an asterisk because this one isn't a movie, but it's an it's 
an hour and 45 minute long series finale and that was lost the end okay i steve i know you haven't watched the show but i watched some of it but you never finished it right right how far did you get so this is a semi-interesting story i watched this my sister couldn't like didn't have an internship for one uh summer of college she came home and we watched lost together and it was like the best summer of my life and then um it got to like the brother sister incest part and then we kind of put it down and just never talked about it again oh my gosh that's right yeah shannon and boone i forgot well either way don't ruin my story that's that's a hiccup in that show <laughs> either way um i, I just like it's not like this watch that was super special. Yes, like I was choking up at a couple of the moments. Like some parts didn't age well for me, but I was sitting watching the last 30 minutes of this finale and I like remember like I was like having an out of body experience watching this with my mom. We used to like I, the first time I watched this the show with her was season 4 like the finale and I was hooked right away. So what we did is we would go to the library, rent like you could go to the library and rent these discs and it would have like four or five episodes on one disc i rent one we'd rip like five hours of lost and then i'd go get the new disc and we did that until i caught up for season five and then season six is the last season yeah and it was like this event for us we sat in the basement we usually like watched in in her bedroom but for the finale like it was a big deal we're gonna watch on like the big tv in the basement yeah and i remember as I'm watching the finale now as a 23-year-old, remembering, like, the final moments watching it with her, like, the end of our journey together watching the show. And I was getting, like, so nostalgic and so emotional. Like, I remember, like, we hugged each other after, like, the end. Like, I love you. This was so much fun watching with you, one of those. So if you're listening, I love you, Mom. That was that was a good one to revisit. That's awesome. Um, all right, then. Moving on to my list, dude. You outdid me here. Uh, I had a really busy week, though, to be fair. I went to a Cubs game one night, and I went golfing three times. So I have not had a lot of downtime to watch movies. I've pretty much just been doing that and looking for jobs. Um, That said, though, I got to revisit one of my favorites from uh, January, which was Megan. Uh, I love this nice. movie, dude. It's it's. I know you gave it a one and a half star on Letterboxd. I don't know how you rate this lower than there's something wrong with the children. Um, but it's just laugh out loud funny for me. The in, pretty much the entire thing. Uh, James Wan and Bloom, they they get it. They get it. That's dumb said, fun. It's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, dumb fun. Um, then I watched There's Something Wrong with the Children, which we already talked about, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. But since I got caught slacking this week, I'm going to I'm gonna make a little wager with you. I am willing to bet that I will surpass the 14 movie mark next week. Um, <laughs> okay, I believe you. And if I don't, I want you to hold me accountable. I'm going to watch the movie that just puts me into a pit of depression an elephant sitting still the 2018 chinese film uh from hubo 
It is four hours long, and it will make me miserable. <laughs> and it is a perfect punishment to watch one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. <laughs> Deal. I'm, I'm fine with that. You deserve it after. I mean, this should never happen, man. I should never outwatch you. Like, Dude, this yeah, is, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. This is Balboa knocking out Apollo Creed at yeah. the end of Rocky II. Yeah. It's just, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't. Um all right, though. You ready to dive into indie? I'm I'm so ready. Let's do it. Okay, so I, I wanted to start this off with our theater experience because it was pretty, it was fairly special for me. We, I went with my dad, um, and he and I have always kind of shared a love of indie since I was a little kid. Playing the, playing the Lego games on the Wii with him and my mom was great, and he just kind of, these are movies that meant a lot to him growing up, and so they kind of meant a lot to me as well, and it was, it, it was, it was an experience. We went on a Monday night, and we expected it to be pretty empty. We went to the GDX at Kendall 11, which is the biggest theater there, and it was like pretty, almost sold out. I was surprised to see a pretty massive crowd for Indiana Jones. Um, and then my mood was ruined because instead of the Oppenheimer trailer, I had to watch the stupid fucking trailer with Jason Statham for Meg Two: the trench because that movie desperately needed a sequel. And I was like, come on guys. It's like it's like having to sit through the Gran Turismo trailer every time you go see Spider-Verse because <laughs> they're both made by Sony. It's so oh my god, it just took me out of it. And then once the movie started though, it was it was a completely silent theater the entire time. There were no cheers, there were no anything. It was uh I was a little disappointed by it, which is unfortunate because I I got happy a few times in here and I was like, "Oh, it gave a little clap. Yep, I, I had a couple of those moments too, believe it or not. So, for starters, with my experience, and I didn't get a chance to mention this in my Asteroid City explanation, but I, be, I saw Asteroid City and Indiana Jones at the same theater in Milwaukee. It's called the Oriental. It's a very cool like venue. It's very historic. It, it's got, it hits all the right beats as far as like theater aesthetic. The only thing that sucks about this theater lately, the trailers, man. Like all, it, for like 15 minutes, it's just like advertisements for their Milwaukee Film Membership Club. Oh. Like it just shows all their patrons, stuff like that. There's no, there were two trailers. There were only two trailers. One of them was Oppenheimer. The other was Barbie. But then the movie started. Like there was no like true buildup. Two and great that, trailers, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. It was just. A, it's been frustrating. I want more. Like when I when I show up to a movie early, I want trailers. That's the only reason I show up early. Yeah. So one gripe. But that's okay. I went alone for this one and I sat towards the back, like on an aisle seat, how I typically do it. And I'm I'm looking in front of me and it was really refreshing to see. Not a lot of young people, but a lot of couples, a lot of like older friend groups, like like the boys going to see Indy one last time, and it just put the biggest smile on my face. Like, like throughout the movie, these like moments that you know I was smiling for, and I don't want to get into spoilers yet, but like there were definitely a couple like like couples like nudging each other and like laughing at all the right like Indy moments. It was it was a good time. Like 
indie for me, like it was just like one of those movies that was always on in the car ride, like on vacations or road trips, because my mom loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. So mm -hmm. I watched the originals with her, and they were always on. But it clear, it clearly just it, it wasn't always as special for me as it was for this older generation. And yeah. I got to feel their excitement in the theater, which was really fun. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I kind of wish that my theater was a little, a little more crowded with the old heads, but it seemed like it was mostly the younger generation, and maybe that's why I didn't really see as many uh, big reactions. Yeah, and, you know, speaking of reactions, how, how did you specifically feel about this movie what did you think of indiana jones and the dial of destiny you know i came out of it fairly confused i think they did a lot right in this but they i think they also got a lot wrong um i think it had the potential to be like the first legitimately great send-off for these old franchises like looking back like halloween ends sucks and i get we're gonna get a million more of those movies but that felt like the big send-off for michael myers um what are some other examples like the the new alien movie was pretty shitty i, I feel like this had the potential and it ended up just being all right which was pretty upsetting to me um before i get into some of my spoiler free issues let's hear let's hear from you what do you what are your initial impressions I had a really good time, and I think it's because my expectations were set so low. When I was seeing all the reviews for it, yeah, it clearly is not being received very well, and I started to put the pieces together like, oh, well, Harrison Ford's 80 years old. If you see him in Star Wars, he kind of mailed it in there. James Mangold's a good director, but this is Spielberg's baby. Like, what, what are we doing here? I sat down, and... I can't lie. I felt like I was watching an Indiana Jones movie. I, you know, there were a couple moments where I, I could feel Mickey Mouse's fingerprints on it. Just, just a hair though. It wasn't bad. Like I, I truly felt like I was watching an Indiana Jones adventure movie and that was enough for me. It was better than kingdom in my opinion. I won't go through my full rankings yet, but, and that's all I could ask for. I think this was the best movie they could make with the given circumstances. Okay. I think that's a fair take. I, I have a feeling we might be on the same page a little bit here then. Um, what did you think of the Phoebe Waller-Bridge character? Uh, she plays Indiana Jones's goddaughter, rather, um, Helena Shaw, who is the, son, or the daughter of ba Basil, Basil Shaw, right? His, his brand new friend that we had never heard of. Right. <laughs> yeah. So getting right into controversy here. I, it's funny. I have a weird relationship with this character and another side character. And what what's his name? Is it Teddy, the, the kid? Yeah. Okay. So Helena and Teddy, these two characters, I can't lie. I could not stand for Thank the God. better part of this, for the better part of this movie. A lot of the jokes and like, it just they were not hitting for me and all i could think the whole time was oh my god please tell me this isn't just like and it probably is but it just felt like they were setting up these new characters to do indiana jones spinoffs that yeah. was driving me nuts because i could not buy them as i just i wasn't invested in them as characters That's until fair. the third act i was i was fine 
I was fine with them. And I, I grew to tolerate them. It was never like a point where I really enjoyed these characters. Okay. Um, you know, I didn't really mind Teddy that much throughout this movie. I thought he was a little less annoying. There were a few times, though, where I thought, like, this kid's supposed to have lines here for sure, and maybe he just, like, couldn't deliver them well enough, so they just <laughs> cut the they cut the line and had some awkward silence. Um, but, no. Dude, there that... were some... There were some jokes from uh, Helena, like sexualizing men, that I just I caught myself rolling my eyes. I there were a couple just bad moments with that character. She was so I I just don't know. Uh, the best way I could put it is, it drove me nuts at first because she was butting heads with this character that we've grown to love for forty years. Yeah, but I think it was a good counterpart in the sense that they they want the same thing in a sense and they're they're kind of similar except they're complete opposites in terms of like morality he is all about like for the love of the game she's all about i'm gonna get the bag and i like that they butt heads in that sense yeah that that might be true um i guess a couple of things for me have you seen the tom holland uncharted movie no, I refuse to. All of the characters in that are Phoebe Waller-Bridge characters. Uh, they're all mm. Helena Shaw, and so that was bringing me back to that movie a lot with just the whole, like, oh, like yeah, like, I'm your friend now, for real, for real. And then, uh, actually, no, nah, I want the money. And then just, like, the constant double-crossing back and forth. I didn't think that they really gave her any sort of character arc to end up where she does in Act 3. It kind of felt like it just like an out of nowhere revolution for who she is, uh, which I really wasn't a fan of. And I, I, I don't know, just in general, it felt out of place for this movie. Like you said, it felt like they were setting up the next one and it, it didn't work at all for me, really. Uh, I, I did not like her character one bit. Um, man, dude, I... It's no surprise that he's not in this movie, but, and we don't need to dive into it, but I think that maybe having Shia in this, in this role or in this movie might work better than this. It does work better, but Shia was, well, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll touch on, the, on that on the, later. On the, on the hot seat. Um, <laughs> so, so the other, I, I had a fairly large gripe with this movie too, and it's kind of true of all the Indiana Joneses now. With the whole motivation of, of Harrison Ford, this belongs in a museum. Um, it, it's aged pretty poorly, and I was hoping that they would kind of shy away from that, but it's still just stealing like incredibly important cultural artifacts from uh, other, other cultures and then just saying, nah, it belongs where the white people can see it. <laughs> okay, I couple couple moments of pushback there in temple of the temple of doom does he not give back the relic to the people he does at the end of the movie he does and that's good so that's in temple of doom last crusade sure he wants the grail and he damn near dies for it but he learns to let it go that there are more things important i mean obviously it's not the same but no, but he, he still says he in this movie, his it belongs in yes. a museum. And it's like, yes. dude, you are archaic. <laughs> yes, I, um, I understand. And speaking of that, I don't think they did a very good job of explaining the object in this. I think 
That's true of Crystal Skull too, and it's something that I have a big gripe with in those in these two movies is in um Raiders, you know that the Ark is supposed to be like this all-powerful tool that levels uh, like armies and Temple of Doom you have the stone that is like giving life to a village and the Holy Grail is the Holy Grail that we all know. And this it kind of just was like, oh, it's math. And that's really it. And I never really understood what it did. I'm so glad you said that. I We're going to get to the point where we start hashing out what we could have done differently with this movie. I believe that there are a handful of scenes that could have been axed. But I think that an important scene that needed to be added was explaining this Dial of Destiny a little bit more. To your point, needed to be explained just a little bit more prior to the third act yeah um and it's done so well in raiders with just like throwing you in he's this professor the like fbi or something calls him out and he's got this massive book and flips right to the page and he's like oh here it is and this is exactly what it does this is why hitler wants it Um, there was there was a perfect opportunity to like show the power of the dial um to explain a peculiar survival in the first act that (laughs) takes place on a train do you know what i'm talking about yeah okay we'll we'll dive into this in spoiler talk but i there there are a couple ways that they could have shown the power of the dial in throughout the movie um then really my last spoiler free thought is just that i thought the james mangold did very well i didn't really know like he copied and pasted Spielberg's style all over this and um I was like I I couldn't even tell I'm glad he did it I I'm glad that it felt like I said like it felt like an Indiana Jones movie it felt like an adventure movie and that was refreshing um so that's that's all I've got what do you do you have any more spoiler free thoughts I do a couple and I can't believe you didn't bring this up but Old man John Williams still has it, man. I thought the score was great here, and it just felt so good to hear that Indiana Jones theme one last time. So wanted to give John Williams a little shout-out. I mentioned that I liked all the little indie moments, Mm -hmm. and this isn't a spoiler at all. Like, the little things made me smile. First time he puts the hat on, like him impersonating a Nazi soldier. (laughs) him cracking the whip him shooting a gun yeah. i like just like the little things like yes they did it right they this is it like the the cut to the map and it's showing them traveling around the map on like dots as they're traveling yeah you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. i love when they cut to that in indie movies there's one more thing right so going into this movie i was worried that okay it's a disney movie there's no way it's gonna be brutal in any sense now, I'm not saying it's brutal, but there are a couple nastier kills here yeah. or a couple nasty action shots, and I was honestly kind of happy to see it. You know, I, I, indie, indie can get brutal at times, especially in those first three movies. I'd even argue Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. There's some just nasty death scenes, mm-hmm. especially the with the ants. ants. Yeah, the yep. ants are fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm glad that, again, they... They honored it in that sense. It felt like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, then if, if you're good, we can kind of break this down. I, 
I wanted to go a little deeper into this one and go kind of plot point by plot point, if that's okay with you. I'm I'm very ready, and I mentioned here that you might have to put the boxing gloves on. I think that we may agree, like as a whole, how this movie is, but like certain plot points and certain things that we did and didn't like. I think that's where we're gonna differ, starting with this opening scene. So feel free to kick it off, but I will be. I think I'm gonna push back a little bit. Okay. Um. So first off, I was. I was living off the disappointment of seeing the Meg 2 trailer, and, you know, part of the nostalgia really hurt. There is no green Lucasfilm logo in this movie, and it sounds stupid uh. to have that as a gripe, but, like, it's so iconic, and I really, like, missed it here. Uh, I was I was just happy to see the Lucasfilm logo, but I get it. I do get it. Um, I do get it. That said, though, this opens up on a CGI Indiana Jones towards the end of World War II, and I actually think that Indy CGI'd look pretty, pretty solid. Like, he didn't, I, I didn't really notice a ton of awkwardness, and it was kind of magical for me to see this guy young again on the big screen when I, I never got that opportunity as a child, um, and... The only time that the CGI really stuck out to me was there's the shot where they, they zoom way out and you see him Ugh. running across the top of the train cars. Noodle man. It was, that was bad. That looked like maybe <laughs> it could have used like three more years of CGI on that. That was straight from the flash. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. I Here is my issue and I'm going to start out hot. I like when I think of scenes that need to get get cut from this movie. This is almost at the top of the list for me. That's fine. I I can't connect with CGI Indy. Okay. Now, did I smile at again him impersonating Nazi officers and him, you know, putting the hat in Mads Mikkelsen's face and punching him? Yes, like all the little indie like quips that he had as young Harrison Ford were great, but. It never felt real to me. The whole time I knew I was watching something that was not real. Like, that's and that's the problem with the CGI face is there's always that disconnect no matter how good it looks. The second he started talking, I lost it. I, I could not connect with the, the young Indy anymore. And frankly, I, I think this movie works better without this opening scene. I really do. You know, I think it, it runs smoother. Like, yes, I guess my big issue here is if they really had faith in the movie, in in making a movie about 80-year-old Indiana Jones, then this scene would have never been here. This just tells me that they didn't have faith in the rest of the movie. You know what, man? I, I like that take, actually, a lot. Um, I'm, I think I'd be totally fine with them cutting this. It's... I, in my notes, I had that it needs to be at least five to ten minutes shorter because I did sitting there. I was like, "Is this gonna be the whole thing? Like, is is old yeah. Indy just gonna show up for like ten minutes at the end?" Um, yeah, it, I I completely understand what you mean. And part of the wasted time in this is the weird Lance uh, red herring, which is the, so they find the the dagger that drew the blood of Christ and then it's actually a fake and it takes like 10 to 15 minutes for that to kind of come to light and there was really no reason for it at all yeah I oh man dude I've got 
plenty to say. I mean, my biggest issue is, you know, they clearly have this scene one so that everyone can have one last indie hoorah as mm-hmm. young young indie on the big screen. I get it, but it's also to set up not only the Dial of Destiny, but the Helena character, what happened to her father, which we actually really don't get like a, a full story on, but that's besides the point. I just think that there was a way better way to set up the dial itself. We'll get into that yeah. towards the end of the, the pod, but I don't know. They just it just wasn't for me. That's you all. know what would have been so funny is if <laughs> instead of CGIing Indy, they just put in Alden Ehrenrich, <laughs> the guy who played Young <laughs> Solo, and just said, you been... know what? Fuck it. He's Indy, too, now. <laughs> oh, I, I can't lie. I would have been okay with that. I saw a horrendous take of like an Indiana 5 rewrite. Mm-hmm. This guy on TikTok, straight-faced, completely like meant this hundred percent said like he wanted it to open up with indiana jones like grabbing a a book or like a file from his like office and like telling the story to like his grandkid or some shit and it cuts to like bradley cooper as (laughs) indiana jones and we just get an indiana jones adventure i i couldn't believe he was like serious i thought it was satire so what if it was indiana jones but also how i met your mother uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was lousy um that said before we move on from the opening there is one more thing that you mentioned earlier in this pod there is an inexplicable survival here of (laughs) so bad so So bad (laughs) matt's mickelson is leading off a speeding train and i believe he just like knocks his head into a sign right isn't it like hereditary style impact and he flies off my cop was going to be like, do you remember the scene in Speed where Dennis Hopper like gets his head planted and like go, like it literally loses his head yeah. in Speed? Yeah. I don't know how Mads Mikkelsen survives this fucking just like rocket of a steel beam. He's not even like he doesn't have any scars in the future. He's like, no. yeah, you know, I got it was a concussion, you know, maybe a Ray Lewis hit, but I'm I'm fine now. The CTE has him just chasing the dial now. <laughs> um, all right. Do you have anything else to say about the opening then? Let's keep it rolling. So next we get to see where Indy is now. And, um, oh, no. She, Shia LaBeouf got killed in his war against uh, sexual abuse allegations and cancel culture, I suppose. Um, he's... It's such, like, I don't even know where to start on that. Like, do you think Shia LaBeouf even really, like, would be in this movie if he wasn't canceled or no? That's the kicker is, like, he was so, like, poorly received in the last one. It doesn't It doesn't even matter. And, like, even if he didn't have all these allegations against him and he's kind of essentially been blacklisted yeah. to it, like, in a sense, um, he had a huge outing with spielberg he basically said that he mailed it in for four and it would have got him fired anyways i'm pretty sure harrison ford is on record saying shia labeouf is a fucking idiot so that that relationship was axed well before he got canceled okay either way either way the way like this scene where indy is talking about mutt and what they did with this character spoiler warning obviously he, they wrote him off, and he died 
in the Vietnam War. And based on the timeline, he basically enlisted at the age of 35. <laughs> and it makes zero sense. And it, like, it was a very emotional moment, Indy explaining this and how he lost his wife because he didn't know how to, like, like I don't know, help her cope. Yeah. Like, I, I like that moment. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, you're thinking, okay, this is just... This is just a shoe in to save face. Yeah, uh, definitely. No, I, I was excited to see what the hell they were going to say happened to Mutt. Um, <laughs> that said, though, with you saying Harrison Ford called LaBeouf an idiot, I mean, Harrison Ford also says that nobody will ever play Indiana Jones. Who's going to break it to him that the Disney wheels keep <laughs> churning after he passes away, you know? He, yeah, it's... <laughs> I, uh, poor guy. There's idiots and ignorance, and him saying he's the only indie ever is going to go down as a terrible, terrible thing. Um, Something tells me that he was not ready to do this movie. Like, him and Spielberg had talks, like, we're not doing a fifth movie. It's not happening. And then Disney started talking about putting Chris Pratt in the role, and he said, fuck it, I'll do one more. I'm, <laughs> I'm not letting it happen. Not on yeah, my watch. Yeah, um... That said, though, Indy is divorced, which I think everybody and their mom saw coming, right? Uh, yes, which I just don't... I get it, but how can you not have Marion in this movie? Do you, feel free to push back, but she is secretly... I don't know. She feels like, not the linchpin, but one of the cornerstones of this franchise, and dude, I it kind of stung not to have her around. I completely agree. You know, I was listening to the rewatchables on The Last Crusade and Fennessy's like hottest take is that Marion should be in all the movies. I completely agree. It's yeah. a rare fantasy W take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's one of the missteps of the franchise. I, I really like the Marion character and how she, she pairs well with Indy, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um that said, though, Indy is also retiring from teaching at what seems like a pretty shitty university, right? Um, how is how the fuck is Indiana Jones not teaching at Harvard right now? He's found the fucking Ark of the Covenant. Like, there, there's got to be a list a mile long of colleges who are like, please come teach for us, right? They put him at Ball State University. <laughs> told him not to hide away. Yeah. I, it, make, it makes no sense. I... I'm okay with him being grumpy old man knocking on his neighbor's door for being too loud at eight in the morning. But mm-hmm. to your point, like this is the greatest archaeologist of of our of lifetime. All, yeah, of all time. <laughs> like, yeah, come on, give it, give him a break. You know, the least he could do is just like tenure him up. They, like, I, it was cracking me up. Such a great scene of him getting the award and then immediately giving it to the guy on the street <laughs> as he's walking away. What is up with that retirement party, by the way? So Indy has a retirement party in, like, the middle of the school year. This also takes place after the astronauts land from um, going to the moon, which takes place in July. So so this is a summer school thing that Indy's just, like, on for a, for a May term or something. Bro's not, bro's not tenured. He's actually just a substitute teacher. <laughs> Honestly, it's uh, that one was weird to me because he's talking like, come on, guys, this is going to be on the final. And then 30 minutes later, happy retirement. <laughs> I can't lie. I, I actually did 
it sucked to see but i enjoyed it at the same time like you go from raiders where all the girls are just like goo goo eyes over mm-hmm. indy giving a lesson and now as an old man no one's giving him the time of day i thought it was actually a pretty pretty cute scene i, I did was okay like with that. that yeah i did like so. that um but after that we meet helena who is um indy's goddaughter and her dad who we had never heard of is uh one of indy's great friends and he went insane and presumably killed himself right uh after after being driven insane for looking for this this archimedes dial that we're not really sure what it does yet at this point but eventually it appears that you can travel back in time with (laughs) i i don't get it i i a couple things here i i mentioned it when we were talking about the intro but this character comes out of nowhere. There, there's just so many reasons not to fall in love with Helena right off the gate. One, it's not his daughter. It's his goddaughter. Goddaughter, Because they've already tried the kid thing with Mutt. So now it has to be the goddaughter. And we're not going to base it off any of his good friends from the past. Because who are you going to tie it to? So now it's a character that we've introduced to you like 20 minutes ago. And oh, pop, you, you've got a god goddaughter out of it. And then... Within 15 minutes of meeting this character, she crosses Indy, and yeah. you immediately are off the, the wombat train, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to hop back on. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes here, I'm not sure this movie loses anything if Helena's completely not in this. Like, if, if somebody just tells Indy, you gotta go find this dial, bro. Like, how, how does it change at all besides a couple less scenes in this two and a half hour movie that needs a couple less scenes you're gonna like i think you're gonna like my pitch it's a bit out there but i've got i've got some motivations for indiana jones that don't include wombat that we can get to you know what i would have loved if if somebody was wanting to if they needed somebody to be a side companion for him bring back short round bring back short round and just say Dr. Jones, I need to find the, the dial of Archimedes for some some God knows reason. That would be all-time Disney moment right there. That's Indiana Jones, No Way Home. <laughs> I don't care, man. Come on. He's he's on the up and up. You, you just saw Harrison Ford give him the Oscar. I would have loved to see Ki-Hwan Kwai in this movie um, at some point for a little cameo. Like, um, you know, yeah. You go. No, I was just going to say they have to be kicking themselves. They didn't write him in the script, you know, three, four years ago when they started developing this movie. Yeah. Like, fuck me. Of course he wins an Oscar now. <laughs> um, fumbled, the, fumbled the bag there. Yeah, they they really did. So after after we meet Helena and she double crosses Indy, we get an intro to Valer. Uh, how, do you, how do you say it? Who cares? Um, yeah, so this is Mads Mikkelsen. And he is a Nazi, once again. And Nazis make great movie villains, you know? I, I, I can't complain about that. But I never really got a clear grasp of what this guy was trying to do until the end. He was working for NASA. He developed the rocket that put the astronauts on the, new, on the moon. And he's also in the CIA and working with a black woman, which goes against, like, every Nazi thing, right? And then 
he's also a Nazi while working for the U.S. government. Just take it out and make him a Nazi with that dumbass, like, Aryan henchman that is always, like, shooting people. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, again, I can't lie. I did not really care about his motivations. Like, I wasn't eager to know what his plan was. But I do agree that what what were we, like, focusing in on the CIA character for her to just get killed? Like, the camera was, like, lingering, like, lingering shots on this character for the first act of this movie. And I figured, okay, the CIA character has to be important to yeah. the story. And then gets killed off in the first hour. I... I was so confused, um, but at at that point, it gets revealed that he he is a Nazi. That was like the big reveal, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I, I don't mind his motivations, and I don't mind his motivations being delayed in a sense. I yeah, don't know. I, guess. I don't. Know. I didn't really care. You know, I'm sorry. That said, though, I did want to shout out. It's Seanette Renee Wilson. I think she did do a great job in that CIA agent part. I just couldn't figure oh, she's out badass. what the fuck she was doing in the movie. Yeah. Um, it, maybe, maybe that works as like a sidekick. I think Johns was making a pitch like, forget Wombat. Make Indy work with the CIA character to go get the dial and beat the Nazis to it. Dude, that's that would be a better movie, I think. She was fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was cool. Um, uh, I, what? No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I just, that, that there are a couple things that this movie could have done to, to eliminate that the wombat character. That's yeah. all. Uh, then we get back to back chase scenes, and it was pretty tiring for me. So first we get Indy, old Indy, riding a horse, uh, through like the parade for the astronauts landing back on Earth. And then we pretty much go straight into the rickshaw chase that's in Tangier, where um, basically Indy is with uh, Helena, and then they also meet Teddy, who is another pointless character, but, you know. um, And uh, then those three kind of have to chase after the Nazis who just got the, the half of Archimedes' dial that they found. So, here is my thing. I, I, I can't lie. I felt like the action set pieces here were great. Like, you could tell that most of it was done on location, and mm-hmm. I, res- I, I truly did enjoy that. I thought, from the trailers, the horse riding stuff was going to look pretty just horrendous. Yeah. It ended up turning out okay. Whoever was, you know, in the editing room, tip of my cap, you did a good job hiding mm-hmm. some of the CGI with Harrison Ford. I really I can't lie. I actually enjoyed both of these action scenes. It's the the next action set piece where they go deep sea diving okay. that I take issue with. That's where I would probably I don't know. That that's where I'd cut some of the runtime, I think. I enjoyed both of these set pieces. Fair enough. Personally I would have just cut the horse chase, I think. Uh cuts down this movie is just way too long. Um like yeah. like we've said a number of times and I don't know. The horse chase didn't really do it for me. But, uh, yeah, let's just go straight into the deep sea diving then. This was pretty fucking stupid. What are they doing? What are they doing? And also just... We just went from two beautiful action set pieces, in my opinion, especially the one in Tangier. Like, Mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed the Tangier one. And then we jumped to CGI eels. And just CGI action set piece. 
it just it didn't feel right. I I really just did not enjoy this this scene. Yeah. And then somehow Mads Mikkelsen and company find our heroes on this boat in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. How I don't know, <laughs> but it just drove me nuts. It, it felt like just a plot convenience in a way. Dude, I, I think don't... what. I don't give a single shit that eels look like snakes. There needs to be snakes in this movie. Yes. What a miss. What a misfire. Like um, there's a there's a there's a great scene with like a bunch of big bugs, but why no snakes, you know? Yeah. It's it's a missed opportunity. It's pretty dumb. Um but I will say, I will say, like yeah. the deep sea diving, not a big fan of that. The the whole bit on the boat I actually enjoyed. I did too. Um, this was Helena, one of the strongest like, parts of the movie for me. Agreed. Agreed. Like even like the aftermath, and I'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, we may disagree a bit, but I I just really enjoyed the dynamic between all the characters. Helena seemingly betraying Indy once again, but actually, you know, uh, it's lighting the stick of dynamite, like leading to their escape. Um, Antonio Banderas' character is shot after mm-hmm. Indy is, like, I don't know, not giving up information. And Indy watches his friend die in front of everyone, um, which leads to, I think, a, a decent scene. Um, what other notables do you want to talk about from from this dynamic or from the scene? Yeah, I kind of wanted to just talk about Ronaldo's death because I thought he was I, – I thought that was a – very powerful moment um helena like is celebrating after they get off this boat and explode it with dynamite which they inexplicably survive and um she's she's like yeah did you see that shit blah blah blah, blah. and Andy's like my friend just died and then they kind of just drop it though and they don't really talk about it like ever again and it's it's sad they mention it a little bit late in the movie but I wanted them to dwell on this moment more because like thinking about how many people do you think have, have Indy has Indy sacrificed for this greater archeological purpose. And I think that that plays into what the bigger theme of this movie was trying to do and ultimately failed to. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think my favorite part of that moment was feeling like Helena in that moment. We just saw an awesome, like typical Indiana Jones escape from yeah. the villains. And in the moment, I was completely fired up with our crew, forgetting about Banderas because he is just like a throwaway new friend of Indy. And then lo and behold, you know, Indy shouts, you know, I, I just, my friend just died. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're woken back up, snap back to reality. I, I don't know if I need the extra, like, sulking. But I, I do get your point about that. I guess got to keep the story moving, especially with this crazy runtime. Yeah. But missed opportunity for sure. I also did want to point out, so to get to, like, the instructions, they were they were on this deep-sea diving mission, mission to find a tablet that had the instructions to get to the second half of the Dial of Destiny. And Indy figures out, oh, well, uh, it's actually too heavy. We need to burn the top of this off. And so he douses uh, the tablet in gasoline on top of a wooden boat and then sets it on fire, and somehow magically the tablet is the only thing that burns. I was dying laughing when that happened. 
I didn't even catch that. I didn't put it together that it was a wood boat. I mean, either way, just dumb. Has to be a fire hazard. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. We gotta we gotta get moving. And and also, I, I I get it, but they they figure out that they need to go. I think it's like west instead of east or something. Mm-hmm. They don't even bother to like try and like make a fake trail so that Mickelson and company like follows them to the wrong city or some shit. Yeah. They just no oh, no. They book it to the other way, the, the other direction, and they just get immediately followed. Yeah, after. Mickelson says, wait a minute, they're going west. <laughs> that was bad, man. That was so bad. Oh, um, God. But, uh, oh, well. We're, we're moving towards the third act where, for a lot of people, I would imagine, things start to fall off the rails. But how did you feel about it? Yeah, this is the weakest part of the film for me, um, by far. Uh so first, this this begin. How how did you feel about Act Three in general? Actually, first before I dive in, <sighs> missed potential. Like I, I really liked the the action set piece or the set piece in Helena and Indy going to find the second half of the dial. I really enjoyed them like crawling through the like the sabbatical or whatever and doing the water displacement. Mm-hmm. All of that was great. Then they fly through. They you know they. They build the dial of destiny with the villain after a crazy shootout. And this is where things kind of fall off the rails in, in terms of how our heroes end up with the villains. But we're, we're flying into the past. And we get to the past, and there's this old, like, Roman Empire type of war going on. And I'm actually, like, all in on them going to the past. I just think that they they fumbled it in terms of, like, look and feel, in terms of themes in terms of like just execution was yeah. not was not good enough i liked it in concept continental drift continental drift <laughs> um okay i i get i get where you're going with that but don't you think that there's just like a little part of indy that's just like messing with him or like getting him to like it, it ended up going nowhere i thought it would have been better if they didn't go through yeah i i agree like it, he he called him on his bluff. I he, I that works better. But. Continental drift is like it. It is a real thing, and Indy was smart enough to point that out. And then it it really just didn't matter at all. So like, why the fuck did you even include it? My biggest problem with this though is why did they even bring Indy with? I do not get it. I do, do not get it. So they they shoot him and. Instead of just leaving him for dead, they want to bring him to the past. Like, fine. Like, typical villain fashion. Like, we want to show you what we're all about here. Mm-hmm. But, but like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. That was never, like, fleshed out. It was just, like, grab him. He's coming with us. Grab him. He's co- what could possibly go wrong bringing the only guy <laughs> that wants to take us down that's here with us? Um, that was so stupid to me. Uh, also... also Another stupid thing. Sorry. How on earth, in a complete storm, does Helena on a motorcycle catch up with an airplane going like 250 to 300 miles per hour on the runway? Man, I wish I could answer that question. Give me a break. I hate when movies do that. You're not catching up with a fucking plane. You're not. Because if you could, then the bike would be able to take off too. Uh (laughs) Right. whatever it's so fucking dumb um (laughs) that said though just this whole thing makes no fucking sense um 
Teddy, so James Mangold, I guess, saw saw Star Wars: The Phantom Menace and said, "Remember that scene where where Annie, this like six year old kid, just flies up and goes crazy, and he right. he makes." And- he makes Teddy go up into the rift too, and I can't believe Teddy would follow them in. <laughs> it's not even that. It's like, how does this kid know how to fly? We we had no inclination that this kid had any flight experience leading up to this moment. We actually did though, because in the scene where Helena is trying to auction off the dial, he is seen with like a fake little like flight board in front of him, talking to a couple <laughs> of random people, going. Uh, okay, altitude's at 1,200. What do I do now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's bad. Yeah. Oh, man, that's bad. It's bad. Um, it, okay. Yeah, it just it goes off the rails a little bit. Keep it does. Going. But then Indy goes to the past. And like you said, I think this is a really, really intriguing concept because for the past four movies, for the past... Uh, I don't know what 30 40 years essentially we have watched this guy chase after the past and um, it's cool he finally got there but isn't he smart enough to know that he can't stay in in the Roman Empire with fucking Archimedes and just like teach him the secrets of the world or something all right let me push back as a nerd that I think understands the concept of time travel in this movie in the sense that it's all about destiny because Mm -hmm. if you go if like when they open the casket of what's his name archimedes or something yeah archimedes yeah he has a watch on so the only way he got that watch is by them coming back to the past because he takes mads mickelson's watch and puts it on so it's like time is a circle so like Helena saying no, no, no. Real quick though, but Helena takes back the watch at the end. Right. So how does he have the watch in the tomb if they go back in time and take the watch back? When does she take the watch back? He like Archimedes gives her the stuff that he got from the Nazis. Perhaps he he learned how to make a watch the same way he now (laughs) knows that he can build the Dial of Destiny. I guess. I don't know. No, here's my thing. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, it just, they made it clear that it was, like, a full circle moment. And in theory, Indy Stain would have just, it, it would have, it would not have impacted the past nor the future. It was, like, a set moment because it was destiny. I, I'm not saying, like, I, I'm glad he didn't end up in the past, but I don't think it was, like, that out of left field i thought it was pretty bad um i don't know i was really disappointed by this segment because i loved the idea of indy like getting the closure he's been seeking and actually seeing what he searched his entire life for and being there for this thing that he was just teaching lessons about uh just so happened to be and um it no i i like this and i i want you to flush this out a little bit at some point like I think this is a good time to do it. Like, what does this ending look like for you? So for me, I think the best concept here is when Indy says that he wants to stay here, Helena says, like, no, you have to come back. And he basically just says, for who? 
He's lost his son. He's lost his wife. He's lost his best friend, Baz, that we never met before. He still has Sala, which was a great presence <laughs> in this movie. Um, but it's it's so anticlimactic for me when he finally says that because we've watched so many people get hurt by him or by proxy on his adventures and he finally shows some guilt over it and i think we need the revelation there that he needs to reconcile with marion and so if if i were ending this movie i would really accentuate that indy is a broken man he's 80 years old now he is showing all the wear and tear and we see that when he asks who he's going back to the present for and there's no real answer he he realizes that okay i've achieved this life goal i have quite literally done what no archaeologist could possibly do i have gone back and seen the fucking roman war and the invasion of sicily but maybe it's maybe it should have been a little more anticlimactic for him maybe it should have been like oh I, I i'm in the past now but who do i have to tell about it is what i is where i would have gone and i i love this dude yeah i, I love this take there's um, there's no better time for him to realize that maybe the present isn't that bad and maybe he should be living in the moment more so i would have had indy put it all together and say like in 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 my pursuit of these relics i've been living in the past my entire life i've seen it now it's great but it's not as great as i imagined they, they I, I need to go back to the present and be present with mary and i need to be happy this chase is over which i thought he fucking learned in the glass crusade when he lets the grail go and i would have ended on the revelation for an actual theme in this i don't think we need to give the audience the closure of him getting all the way back together with marion i think that as an audience we just need to know that he's realized the error in his ways and he's ready to take the leap of faith and work for it with the person that he's loved through all these years and we give indie closure because that's he's the one who matters we as the viewers do not matter it's so good i i i love that take and <laughs> i wanted to give you the floor for that seeing that in the notes like just put the biggest smile on my face it makes so much sense that it like it ruins the next rewatch of this knowing <laughs> that there's a better ending out there i um I never got a chance to like say this and of course after that beautiful piece it's gonna sound so stupid but I kept hinting towards like Indy's motivations or like how you could remove Helena and make Indy have his own motivations to find the dial mm -hmm. his son is dead and oh whether... dude maybe it's not like the the initial reason for pursuing the dial maybe he's he's approached by a third party like look the nazis are after this, this dial of destiny they're gonna go kill hitler and do it right and try and win the war and at, during indy's pursuit in the back of his mind is thinking i can do the exact same thing i can i can use the dial to to save my boy and kind of goes through the same like character arc of the past is the past. I have to let it go um, and live in the moment. I, I think that that gives him more skin in the game. I love that. You know, I I don't know. And it also, like, you know, it writes Mutt out of the story, like writes Shia LaBeouf out of the story. Still, you can keep that element. It, 
I don't know. It just gives Indy his own his own fight, and maybe like, you know, he he's learned of the dial from his 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 friend or whatever mm-hmm. like in his old adventures. Maybe that's what drove Marion away. Instead of being there to console her, all he's doing is pursuing this dial of destiny to try that's and save his boy. That's awesome. I love that so much. And they do even briefly touch on that because uh, do you remember there's a scene on one of the boats where Helena asks. Like, what, what would, would you, you do? do if you could go back in time? He says, I'd save my son. Ugh. What I think could even be more powerful is maybe he slips him himself a note and says, like, hey, just so you know, dumbass, Marion has a three-year-old child. Maybe you should go and be present for him. <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. Even better. Um, no, dude, I love that. That's a great take, man. I, oh, man, there's such a good movie here. It's so disappointing that it's just not there. All right, I will, I will point out, too, and we, we you hinted on it that he has this big happy ending with Marion. They do the Raiders callback where mm-hmm. she's pointing on, like, body parts for him to kiss. I can't lie. In the theater, I loved it. My my audience loved it. It was great. And then after the movie, I'm, I heard someone say that it felt like, you know, like when Helena punches him and it cuts to black and then we get this, like, crazy happy ending mm-hmm. it feels like this was like totally shoehorned in to please the fans that there was some other ending that either test audiences didn't like or mickey mouse said no way it can't yeah. end like this and going back and thinking about it it totally feels that way everything feels so rushed mm-hmm. like it was great to see marion but how is she back how are they like already good again yeah like, like it just it doesn't Click. Even he can't believe it. He's like, Marion, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, there's yeah. no fucking way in hell that a dude that old is surviving a gunshot. This is more towards the chest than the shoulder in this movie, even. Like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad, though. I We didn't even touch on that. I'm so glad they didn't kill Indy. I I do yeah. not think that, w- that would have worked. I agree. I, I'm, I like the way they left that off. You know, originally I wrote this long thing when I when I talked about doing a rewrite. The the original ending that I had in mind was that Indy Indy has to die at the end and like just I don't I don't know. And um, I I had this whole thing prepared about how like we're all afraid of 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 death, even though it's completely inevitable, and we can't bear to witness it in these characters, even though we know. Like, once Harrison Ford dies, what does it matter if Indiana Jones dies? Um, but, I don't know, I just couldn't I couldn't put it into the words I would have wanted to, but I wanted to voice it a little bit, I guess. Yeah, I don't know, I, I can't say the same. I'm not, uh, I don't know. I, I did not want to see Indy die, he didn't die. I'm, I'm good with it. Fair enough. Um, Alright, I think all that's left to really do is the ranking of this franchise. Mine is very simple, and you might have a a deeper analysis here. Like I said, these were just like movies that I watched as as a kid. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not like I'm not all in on the Indiana Jones lore like I am with Star Wars. So I'm going kind of off memory, aside from the last two because I remember those pretty vividly. <laughs> and I would go Raiders one, okay. then Crusade, then Temple, then Dial, then skull okay that's that's a fair ranking for me i have um skull at number five uh, i thought that was pretty fucking awful terrible movie 
Also, I did want to make a point. On Letterboxd, like, everybody's saying, like, oh, this movie's overhated. Sometimes movies deserve to be hated, and we should just let it rest at that. Okay, guys? (laughs) Not every movie has to have a cult following of, like, well, actually, when he jumped in the fridge, it was a good idea because, like, come on, The monkey monkey scene. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Then I have uh, Temple of Doom. I I do really enjoy that movie, but I'm not very big on it i don't know some of the child labor stuff got weird with me i didn't really understand some of the grabbing hearts and stuff even though it's badass and just in general i would have liked a better female lead in that maybe marion um yeah. I, I really hated the what's her name in that fuck couldn't tell you blondie right yeah blonde yeah blondie's the th- last crusade too i don't know um then I have Dial. I found this fairly enjoyable, despite all my gripes. I thought it was an okay send-off, and I had a better time than I usually do watching Temple of Doom. And then I have Raiders of the Lost Ark, which is, by all means, a classic. I think it is very, very amazing. Um, there's really not much to say about this movie that hasn't already been said. And at my number one, I have The Last Crusade. I think this is everything that Indiana Jones should be in a movie. Um, There's Blimps. There is Sean Connery. Um, I think the relationship with the dad works so fucking well. Um, And just when I think about Indiana Jones, I feel like all of the memories I have associated with it come from The Last Crusade rather than Raiders. And it could be because, like I said, I have such a strong memory of watching these movies with my dad as a kid watching indie with his dad <laughs> obviously left an imprint as well um but i i wish they would have stopped there because that ending in crusade of learning like you know what i i can either die trying to go after the past still or i can come back and live with my dad i mean that's a beautiful way to end this character's this character's arc but alas uh. we live in a world ruled by money and the, the law of di- diminishing r- returns yeah so that's my ranking though um it's it's fairly simple as well uh if you have anything else to say now's the time to say it before i wrap this up for as much as we just shit on this movie for the last 45 minutes talking spoilers i had a great time i caught myself smiling more than i caught myself rolling my eyes Sure, it could have been better, but I walked out of the theater with a smile on my face, and that's more than I was expecting. So yeah. thank you for one last adventure, Indy. I I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really had a good time at the theater, too. Uh, it's just been, as it's aged, it hasn't really aged well over the last, like, four days for me. Um, but that's that's going to do it for this pod. I'm I'm glad we could talk through our thoughts about the end especially because this is the end of something that is very instrumental in my childhood. Uh this is Hey Arnold the Jungle Movie on steroids for me. It's it's sad to see it go, but it's honestly well overdue. Uh thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week on the Blast podcast. <laughs>